Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about the Netflix film Cuties. And before you turn this off and cancel your subscription to the show and send me death threats, just know I think we tried our best to approach this conversation with a solid level-headedness and look at the movie itself and what it is and the film's influences because that's what this show is all about. We, of course, have to get into some of the controversy around it, but we definitely tried to keep the conversation on track for uh, the things that are important, which is, of course, what movies might have inspired this movie. So we are talking with Josh Bell, who's back on the show. It's been a while since his last time on, and I always love having him on. If you haven't been listening to Awesome Movie Year, they're in the middle of their 1977 season and been covering a lot of great movies. So make sure to check out Awesome Movie Year. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and follow us on social media at piecing pod and join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and there's certainly been a few conversations about cuties going on in that group so definitely check that out and uh, i think it's time to get into this one let's talk about cuties on netflix <music> All right, so joining me for a conversation that certainly won't be controversial whatsoever is Josh Bell to talk about this movie, Cuties. Josh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm doing all right. I uh, I actually was just on another uh, podcast to talk about this movie, so I guess I'm doubling down on my uh, my, my potential... God knows what, but <laughs> yeah, David Rosen leaning into controversy. There you go. You got that's what sells, right? But uh, apparently, <laughs> this movie uh, Cuties on Netflix is surrounded by all kinds of craziness. But at, at its core, though, it is just a good movie that is caught up in a, a very specific moment right now. I think, and you know, I don't know that five years ago or five years from now that this would be as mired in controversy as it is. But I mean, you, you know, you, you suggested you'd be, you know, down to, to do a conversation about this. What were your initial thoughts on this thing? Yeah. I mean, I think to me watching this movie, it was weird to think of this kind of controversy because like you said, I don't think it would, not only would it maybe not have come up a few years ago, 
I feel like it wouldn't even have come up now <laughs> if Netflix hadn't screwed up the marketing. Yeah, right. That this right. is this is a movie that played at the Sundance Film Festival in January. This not exactly an obscure film festival. <laughs> lots of people saw it there. Lots of people wrote about it, and there was no controversy. Right. And it was only because Netflix put out this poster that presumably was, even though they claimed it wasn't, and they they probably didn't anticipate this, but was definitely meant to generate talk. Sure. It was definitely gen- meant to generate attention, if not controversy. And to me, like, I thought this movie was was fine, but it's a very familiar coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. It's familiar. I mean, I've seen quite a few, and we'll probably talk about this, you know, uh, French films about the, the banlieue. The, the the Paris suburbs, which is sort of their their version of like the inner city. It's actually the outer city, but it's the same, hmm. you know, the the areas where there's a concentration of uh, of poorer residents, of immigrants. And there's been tons of movies like this, right. um, not maybe specifically about uh, the, the exact subject matter, but it was a very familiar kind of story to me. Right. And I thought it was done mostly well, and I'm glad I watched it as a movie, but I feel like this is something where watching this, my thought wasn't so much, wow, a great movie. My thought was, why does anybody care really about this as as a controversy, but also as like a, a really notable piece of art necessarily? Like, I, I thought it was it was it was solid and I'd be curious to see what this uh, filmmaker does next. Mm. Um and a lot of the things that that are tough to deal with, I thought she handled well. The things people are get so uh, outraged about, I think this movie handles pretty delicately, right? For the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to me it was just uh, it's one of those things that it's it, it's like, how did this happen? You know, <laughs> right. and and it's just, I mean, I think what it is is just a snowball effect that that one thing goes online and then ninety nine percent of the people who decide that they're going to take this up as some sort of cause don't really know anything about it, right? Or 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 care about that or want to know anything about it. They're just looking for something to get outraged about or a tool to further whatever agenda they've decided is is important to them uh in in yelling at people online which is what everyone does right now right so, exactly yeah. yeah i'm curious uh how many people who got offended by this movie have ever watched a french film to begin with <laughs> right it's not it's not just did you watch this movie right it's do you watch movies? Are you familiar <laughs> yeah. with, with, yes, yes, with French movies. Yes, with movies about uh, immigrants or people in the inner city or whatever, but just film. Right. I mean, I feel like if you, if you, maybe if you've only ever seen uh, Marvel movies or something like that, and that's your only reference point for film, you might be, have your mind blown that this kind of movie could exist. Right. But <laughs> it certainly was not mind blowing to me. And that doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie. Right. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. And, you know, we'll get into a lot more of the, you know, specific things that people are so worked up about along the, the way. And, you know, we'll try to keep the conversation, though, I think mostly about what this show is about and film, you know, inspirations. But why don't we start jumping into some puzzle pieces? What do you got for your first one? Well, my first one is a movie that generated very, very similar controversy, and that's Larry Clark's Kids. Sure. Um, which is an American film, not a French film. 
but uh, is another movie that featured uh, underage protagonists doing things that adults do not approve of. And that was cast largely with, at the time, with non-actors, uh, people that he found kind of in, in neighborhoods in New York City that he recruited. I mean, stars that like Chloe Sevigny and Rosario Dawson, who've gone on to be major stars, but at the time were just people sitting on a stoop in New York City. Sure. Um, and, and it includes characters who are, uh, it's been a very, very long time since I saw this, but I just kind of looking it up online, mm -hmm. it does include characters who are quite young. I mean, the thing about this movie about cuties is that not only are these underage characters behaving sort of inappropriately, it's that they're really underage. They're not right. even teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the characters and kids were, were nearly that young. And so... Um, I think similarly, that's a movie that set out to capture a sort of sense of honesty and realism. I mean, Larry, Larry Clark was maybe outside of that world, but Harmony Corinne, who wrote it at the time, was also quite young and was immersed in the world that he was depicting. Um, and that that kind of got overtaken by the controversy around it where people uh, weren't paying much attention to the aesthetics of it. But I think it has similar aesthetics and a similar uh, goal in just being honest about, hey, here's what's happening. And it's not that it's good, but it's it's there and we want to look at it and we don't want you to look away from it. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's definitely it, it's a portrait of something that isn't shown in more mainstream movies normally. Or if it is, it's shown with such a high you know level of sheen or whatever that it it it's not going to push any buttons or make people uncomfortable in the way that these two movies do. Right. I mean, I think this movie is, I mean, as much as the controversy is overblown, it is meant to make you feel uncomfortable at certain times. Sure. And yeah. I'm I'm sure if this movie came out and no one anywhere was uncomfortable or upset, I feel like the filmmaker would probably feel that she had failed. Right. Uh, absolutely. And and that that also speaks to the uh like the intention of the movie which is very clear for anybody who's watched it. And I I think that that's like such an important part of this whole debate and discussion is you know I I'm not so sure exactly. I haven't seen kids in a long time. I'm not I don't really remember what the intention is specifically there, but certainly here I I you can tell just in a single simple viewing of this movie where the director was going and I feel like the majority of the hate this movie has gotten doesn't seem to understand that there is an intention there. Right. I mean, I think Kids was maybe uh a little more disingenuous in places. I mean, you could argue it's it, to me I think and I haven't seen it in a very very long time either, but given the sort of arc of the careers of the people involved afterwards, I mean, Larry Clark, the director, maybe was a little more of this sort of art provocateur mm -hmm. who was maybe took a little too much pleasure in the idea of pushing buttons. And and Harmony Corinne is like that now, too. But at the time when he had not done anything, and again, it was probably more of just an honest portrayal of things that he had experienced in his life. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think kids, even though of course the controversy there was overblown too, and I think you could watch kids right now and think, Really? Right. This is what people were worried about, which is the case with virtually every controversial movie ever. <laughs> so true. Um, but, but I do think there was maybe a little more of a desire on the part of those filmmakers to get controversy than there mm -hmm. was here. 
Sure. So I'll move on to my next piece, uh, which is the A24 film, The Florida Project, uh, from director Sean Baker, which is kind of like a heartbreaking look at these kids who are, you know, living in this world of poverty, who are kind of, you know, caught between trying to be kids, but living in this increasingly, uh, you know, difficult and, and sexualized world. And not the direction that that the Florida Project specifically takes is going into that necessarily, but it is that push-pull of these kids just trying to be kids in a world that doesn't really allow them the space to be kids or to grow up that way. And, you know, it's it's hard to watch. It's like we were just saying, it's un- uncomfortable to see uh, th- these poor kids. It, and, and that movie obviously doesn't take a uh, outside influence. It's all coming from their family and their their home life and everything like that. Whereas this, there, there's a whole lot of the outside world coming in and uh, and affecting these kids. But it's still that that push pull is what I found as the main uh, comparison here. Yeah, that makes sense. And also the, the the poverty and the environment where the kids, the parents can't be as they can't be as engaged with raising their kids as uh, we would might might like them to be from our sure. privileged perspective because they've got to make ends meet, which they can barely do, and they're always overwhelmed by their circumstances. So yeah, I, I I absolutely I think that makes sense. I think that's an interesting add-on too, uh, from our privileged perspectives, because you know, really, I mean, that is just life for most people, you know. Right, right. I I can guarantee you that none of the outrage directed at this movie comes from people who are not in a very privileged place. <laughs> absolutely. All right, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to kind of stick with the the theme with kids and um, maybe a slightly more on the negative on the empty provocation standpoint, which I do think this movie gets to at, at certain points. Uh, I'm going to go with Catherine Hardwick's 13, mm-hmm. uh, which is another movie. It was a more mainstream movie than kids, um, but is definitely another movie that was sort of designed for outrage right. um, on the part of maybe these adult filmmakers. But on the other hand, was created by someone, in this case, Nikki Reed, who wrote the movie when I think she was 15 years old and co-starred in it, um, where it was from the perspective of her own experiences in her own life. Mm. And I think that movie more so was maybe designed for adults to look at and think, oh my God, what are the kids today getting into? Totally. And, uh, (laughs) you know, to sort of, quote, open their eyes. And I think there's some aspect to that here as well, that uh, the goal isn't to be outraged at the movie, but I think there's a certain goal to be outraged at what the characters are doing Mm -hmm. with the idea that, like, you know, real kids are doing this and it's very bad. and so I think there's there's a little bit of that that kind of self-righteousness here, not nearly as much as in 13, which which I will say I think is a horrible movie and right. I, I hate. Um, <laughs> but I think there's sort of a spectrum here of that kind of intention and that kind of expose. And, you know, whereas something like this that's largely well-intentioned and largely genuine is on one end of the spectrum and, you know, way on the other end of the spectrum would be something like, you know, reefer madness or something that's completely, <laughs> completely uh, disingenuous and and whatever. But, but it... it in the same way, they're designed to, to again, sort of open the eyes of mainstream society to mm. something dangerous that's going on that we should address, that 
the response to this movie isn't meant to be, oh, we should ban cuties. But I think part of this response is meant to be, we should think about how young people use social media and whether mm -hmm. they should have that unfettered access. So in, in that sense, it's on that the same continuum, I think. I think you know obviously 13 was on my list as well and and oh, yeah. I I think it it you know makes perfect sense to put these two together but it also brings up a really I think interesting point which is this being from a you know person of color telling this story and whether or not that adds to the uh you know to the backlash of it all is are people just not willing to give a filmmaker of color, the the leeway to make a movie like this. Well, sure, yes. I'm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. I'm is sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and I don't remember. I mean, with thirteen, I'm not. I can't remember if there was as much backlash to the existence of that movie as there was. I think the controversy again was sort of more what the movie was aiming for, which is like, oh my god, this is what thirteen year olds are doing right now, and we mm. should be outraged about that. And you know, Nikki Reed doing the the talk show circuit, saying like, oh yeah, I did these things when I was thirteen. Sure. Um, <laughs> so right, but again, that is a movie made. It's an American movie. Is a movie made all by white people about white people? Yeah, obviously that does play into it. Yeah. Okay, uh, I will go to my next piece, and this is another one I haven't seen in a long time, uh, but it is the 2012 film Electric Children, which was shot here in Vegas. I know you're Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That. I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, the, the whole push-pull again of, of this main character and existing in this world between two very extreme extremes of her culture, one extreme being the the Mormon religion in in Electric Children versus the religion that's on display here in uh, Cuties versus the other side of the world, which in Electric Children is uh, Las Vegas, <laughs> and and over there is just like this world of hip hop dancing and just uh, overly sexualized dance competitions. So yeah, I, I think that that whole just dual extremes and trying to navigate between them is uh, is an interesting place to to try to have a coming of age story. Yeah, I like that movie. That's a. I feel like it's kind of an underrated movie, and of course, you know, represent Vegas. Hell yeah, there you go. Always good. But maybe yeah, Julia Garner is like becoming a very a big star now, so maybe people will rediscover that movie. Absolutely right. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I do too. All right, what do you got for your next one? Well, I think well, I'm gonna get into the French films because, uh, as I was saying earlier, this is definitely in that kind of tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with uh, Celine Sciamma's Girlhood. Uh, Celine Sciamma, of course, the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which has got lots and lots of attention uh, this past year. Um, Girlhood was the film that she made just prior to that. And it is also set in this, this same uh, urban Paris environment. It also has a uh, Black uh, child of immigrants mm -hmm. as its main character. And... The difference is she's slightly older. She's 16. And again, I think that is what makes a lot of the difference here is that people look at a 16-year-old and they see an adult, even though it's not. Sure. And they they decide that that's okay. Um, but it is similar in that she's got this troubled home life and she falls in with this other group of girls who, um, they're not doing dance competitions, but they're definitely kind of um, showing off mm. their sexuality. And... Um, they're, they're more delinquent in that they, uh, you know, commit 
you know, petty crimes and, and there's, there's more violence involved, but there's a lot of that sort of young women discovering their sexual identities. And a lot of that does involve dance and emulating things that they've seen in music videos. There's a great sequence in girlhood set to diamonds by Rihanna. That's just Mm. really stylishly made. And I think that movie is less interested in courting controversy. And it's not a movie that was controversial. I mean, it was highly acclaimed and it's one of the reasons that Celine Shiama got to make portrait of a lady on fire and became a bigger deal as a filmmaker. Mm. Um, But I think if you, if you're interested in the sort of tradition of these kinds of French movies, this is a recent one that you can look to and you can absolutely see where all this stuff comes from, um, from someone who's considered a master filmmaker. Right. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it, but it it sounds great. Um, and portrait of the lady on fire is great. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'll let you, uh, represent the French filmmakers here, Josh, since I obviously (laughs) haven't seen as many as I should. Uh, but I'll instead bring up another a 24 film (laughs) and, uh, I'm going to your area of expertise, right? Absolutely. Uh, and I'll bring up eighth grade, uh, from Bo Burnham, which I, I think, uh, you know, another movie that kind of, uh, you know, doesn't shy away from the realities of being a kid right now at this moment in time and the the aspect of social media, of course, and how that plays a role. And of course, as well, uh, just modern culture, music and all of that influence. And uh, another thing that I, you know, I could have also applied this to uh, the Florida Project as well, but I think Cuties never loses sight of the fact that these are kids. And Anytime these kids are, are, you know, testing their limits and pushing the envelope and all that, they're always like one step away from, you know, bouncing right back into just giggling and laughing and just being children, which they are. And I think that's one of the, the greatest strengths of the story and the filmmaking. And I think that's on display in both of these movies here as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the, the things that on the one hand that is causing a level of the controversy, but on the other hand, gives it that realism is that she's cast actors who clearly are children. Sure. And they look like children, you know, and and especially from like from a teenage perspective, we're used to seeing so many movies about teenagers that are cast with actors in their 20s. Right. That sometimes when you see a movie about people who are and I think this was a thing with kids as well, is that when you see a movie about people this age that's actually cast with people who are that age, mm-hmm. it's almost shocking because you realize, oh wow, that's the they're really young. Right. <laughs> that's that's how it really is. And I think I don't know how old Elsie Fisher was when she was cast in eighth grade, but she definitely has that. Look, you look at her in that movie and it's like, wow, this is a this is a child. Right. Absolutely. And you can see how that uh, that need to be uh, to kind of get the attention on social media drives her to do things that maybe she doesn't really want to do or, or really understand. Exactly. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so, OK, what do you got for your next piece? All right. Well, I'll stick with the French films and uh, go with uh, Lajli's Les Miserables which is not Les Mis, the Victor Hugo novel or the musical, which of course has been made into movies many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but kind of playing off of that as an iconic piece of French culture, uh, this movie from, uh, from last year that was nominated for an Oscar um, is, again, a movie about people living in these uh, urban Paris environments and uh, the struggle of finding your way. Um, it's a lot more of a, a violent story. It's a, and it's, it's a lot more focused on, uh, adult characters. There's a, 
I mean, it's kind of split between uh, a group of cops and the people who then live in this in this uh, housing project, some of whom are young. And the, the whole story is set off by a young boy and he's playing around with a drone and he captures something uh, on video that he shouldn't have or that he wasn't supposed to. And the mm. cops are then after him and he's being protected and it kind of escalates into these riots. Um, but again, I think it's a way to understand this aspect of French culture and the environment that these characters come out of. Um, and certainly the way that young people in this environment, they just don't have an outlet for any of their energies, right, you know, they're, right. they're not, they're not being parented. Um, as we said, in, in part, because the parents have so many other pressures to deal with. And so they're looking at, at whatever outside influences there are, whether that's things in this movie, like on social media and music videos, or that might be uh, a local gang or something like that. And they're just kind of stuck. And so, um, that it was a movie that I think, Again, it was nominated for an Oscar. Sure. It was at a lot of festivals. I think in a weird way, because that movie is about violence mm -hmm. and not about twerking, that people can accept it more. Like, right. oh yeah, violence, sure, no problem. These kids are gonna kill somebody? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but they're gonna do something sexual? Oh my God, we have to ban it. Right. Um, That's so, always terrifying for people. Uh, anything sexual is always just the scariest thing. Exactly, exactly. So I think I think Cuties is in, in part because it doesn't just go to that idea of violence, which is maybe what we expect from, from these kinds of characters is, is, is a bit more sophisticated, mm -hmm. but, uh, but Les Miserables is interesting. Um, and it is partly inspired by, by real riots that occurred in Paris, although it's, it's heavily fictionalized. Um, so, uh, again, if you're wondering where does this come from, these are all places where it comes from. So, Josh, not to uh, try to thrust the title of French culture expert on you or anything like that, but since you have seen these films, uh, one thing about this movie, Cuties, and I, I need to watch more foreign cinema, obviously, uh, but coming from a, a, a dumb American mind like myself, it, it, it becomes... Uh, easy to forget that you're watching a French film at times with cuties because we, I feel like, are going through a lot of the same, you know, similar issues here in this country at the same time. And I don't think that that's uh, specifically unique to France or anything, maybe certain aspects of it. Uh, but, but for a movie like Les Miserables, is that, uh, a, does it have similar aspect of that where it's kind of similar to what's happening here? I think so. I mean, it's that I don't mean to say that that none of these issues are relevant oh, sure. outside of outside of France or outside right, of Paris. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, Les, Les Mis is largely about police brutality mm -hmm. and uh, uh, abuse of power among cops. You know, I mean, the, the kid who captures something on video initially, he captures the cops beating somebody, he captures them doing something that they shouldn't do. And obviously, the idea of video of cops. Uh, committing acts that they shouldn't have, right. getting out, and then then spawning uh, civil unrest is certainly very relevant. <laughs> Absolutely, um, for for many many places. So no, I mean I think the 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 sort of specific environment in Paris um, and these immigrant communities and things like that. Um, if you wonder about that, that that's something that you can learn from these movies. But that's not to say that these issues are not relevant beyond those borders. Totally. Right on. Well, I will go ahead and lighten things up just a tad with my <laughs> next puzzle piece, uh, which is Mean Girls, a 
uh, an American classic. Uh, yes. <laughs> but this movie, uh, this movie, Cuties, does. You know, aside from everything else that we've been talking about, it does follow the kind of traditional story we've seen many times before, including in Mean Girls, with uh, the new girl being accepted in by a group of girls, and uh, mainly the leader of that group of girls is the one that takes her under a wing, even though the rest of the girls don't really want to accept her at first, and... Uh, the trying to to navigate that new new friendship with new people and all of the ups and downs that comes with that, and so you know it is as far as like a more uh, mainstreamish kind of a uh, movie trope, I guess you know it is kind of following that kind of narrative. Yeah, I I definitely thought of that one as well, and the idea of her coming in and she she eventually kind of displaces one of the girls who previously was in the group. I mean, that's a very familiar teen movie thing. And yeah, I mean, we're talking about controversy and big issues and whatever, but this movie also is about just young girls friendship and the drama of that. And that that's, that's handled well here. I think between, especially between the two main girls, like you said, the leader of the group and then our main character and how their dynamic is depicted. So, I mean, things like that, if they weren't successful, then the movie wouldn't work because it would just have the controversy and it it definitely has more than that in terms of its character dynamics absolutely yeah and and they are good characters too and then even outside of that main group of girls i mean you know the brothers funny you know and and then there's a lot going on we haven't even really talked that much a little bit with the electric children but with like the religion aspect and the stuff happening with the parents and and uh the 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 mom has to get ready to be a second wife and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a a lot of other aspects going on in this movie. And so, yeah, if that main uh, friendship aspect wasn't working, it probably would have bogged things down quite a bit. Right. And that's true. I mean, I think everyone is focused on the, the sort of social media and the sexualized dancing aspect of it, but it's really about this character being caught between that kind of patriarchal culture. That's a large mainstream thing and the equally oppressive culture of her religion right and that 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 she's because she's experiencing this like extreme pressure from both ends she snaps in a way yeah um and so it's yeah it's definitely about both of those things and we're not we're not really seeing commentary on that other aspect of it exactly well what do you got for your next piece all right well i have one more french film uh and that is uh francois truffaut's the 400 blows which is another coming-of-age story uh, about a, a, a young, in this case, a young boy, and is inspired, in fact, by uh, a lot of aspects, I think, of Truffaut's own life, much like this movie is inspired by the filmmaker's own life here. Mm-hmm. Um, and a young boy who's a, a, a juvenile delinquent and is not really parented um, with any attentiveness and just kind of is left to fend for himself and doesn't make the best choices. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, eventually kind of comes to a point, which is also something that happens in this movie. And I was just talking about the, these extreme pressures coming from both sides. But this movie eventually comes to a point where the main character, where Amy kind of is at peace in a way mm-hmm. and is able to feel like she can be herself in this balance between these two worlds. And the 400 Blows has that and it ends with a very famous uh, freeze frame of the main character. He, he kind of escapes and he goes to the beach. And he has this this moment of feeling kind of at peace as he's looking out at the water and there's this freeze frame on his face. And I thought of 
the ending of this movie too, and the final shot of Amy as she's jumping rope and it turns into this sort of almost magical realist thing as she's jumping higher and higher. And you can see that she's achieved this sort of inner calm, at least for one moment. And I I can't imagine that that final shot wasn't influenced by the final shot of the 400 blows. Right on. Yeah. I, I, I love that final shot. It's fantastic. And the fact that it comes after you know, really the first time in the film where she's gotten any kind of positive uh, influence from her mom just really drives home what's important, you know, for, for kids and like for, you know, what's missing, I think, in a lot, a lot of uh, young people's upbringing. Right. That she finally has one moment where she feels like she's been validated as a person yeah. um, by this by this mother who's either been disciplining her or hasn't even had the time to pay attention to her. Sure. Well, speaking of bad parents, uh, my final pu- <laughs> my final puzzle piece. You know, I'm just gonna. This is just a kind of a cheat in a way. I'm just gonna say like reality television in general. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and and of course that is coming a lot. I realize as I say it, it's coming a lot from an American perspective, and I don't know how big in France like if people are seeing these shows as much. But uh, you know the the dance moms on Lifetime and whatever the dance shows are called on on TLC, and then you know even stuff like the. Car- Kardashians and all that it's just all adding to this hyper sexualized and hyper depressing you know view of of where the culture is headed and uh we've all been I I think anybody who is aware of all that stuff has been in their own form of outrage for many years about you know just how gross some of this stuff is and you know n- nobody seems to want to do anything about any of that but you know here we are and that is the stuff that kids are watching and that is the stuff that's influencing them to make some of the bad decisions that some of the kids in this movie are making yeah and i think that's that's the thing is that there not that there isn't ever outrage about those shows cuz there is but sure. not not to the level of this and those shows continue for years and I don't know how many of them reach France but my my guess would be that maybe some of those american shows reach France and that there are probably some french equivalents of those mm-hmm. kinds of shows um yeah and those those are not those are just presenting this stuff with a straight face whereas now a, a movie that actually has a perspective and has something to say about that and is being critical that's the movie that gets uh, all of the controversy. <laughs> and that's what should be applauded is that movie. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I feel like, right, a lot of the people who are who are outraged about this movie, if they really genuinely feel outrage about this kind of thing in our culture, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they do, but if they do, you know, they should be applauding this movie for shining a light on it. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously that's not that's not what's happening. <laughs> I think, you know, just one quick aside, though, about the controversy is that what you were just saying right there, I think that this movie really kind of shines a light on the question of whether people are offended or choosing to be offended about the thing. And man, has this movie made that clear that a lot of people are just choosing things to be offended about and to to take up a side on certain things. It's sad. (laughs) Right. I think that's the idea is that this is something, this is a tool to further some kind of uh, idea or agenda that people already have. And it's like, well, this is being talked about so we can latch onto it and and use use it it to to promote our point of view. Um, and, And again, I don't think that's new necessarily. I think we could look at the, the history of movies that have been banned or that have been called for being banned. And there's, there's tons of that. 
uh, you know, throughout the years, you know, you go back to the satanic panic of the eighties or whatever, <laughs> right. and, you know, movies and music or whatever that people decided were, were promoting Satan worship or whatever, were, were really almost at random what, what ended up in that, in that box so that certain people could promote the yeah. particular political points of view that they had. Some of Josh's um, favorite music, by the way. Totally. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I love satanic music. And, uh, and on, on Awesome Movie Year, we yeah. had a whole episode about uh, Paradise Lost, the documentary that uh, <laughs> takes on a lot of that, that kind of uh, outrage and, and the very, very serious and very, very bad consequences right. of that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Th thankfully, nothing nearly as bad has come out of the controversy about cuties. Um, so... Yeah, I I agree, and uh, so I'm I'm and my last piece is is kind of uh, similar. I was trying to find or think of a movie that addressed that kind of uh, young girl dance competition beauty pageant thing, and I feel like I probably could have figured something else out that would have been slightly better. But what I came up with was Little Miss Sunshine. I thought um, about that too. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is mainly not about that. But uh, the whole sort of driving force of the plot is this family's efforts to get to this beauty pageant for their their young daughter. And I forget exactly how old she is in that movie, but she's certainly around the age of the characters and cuties. Mm -hmm. And they find they finally get there after all of their wacky mishaps. And they arrive at this beauty pageant and this little girl played by Abigail Breslin does this extremely inappropriate uh, dance routine. And, and of course, and it's played for laughs. Uh -huh. And, you know, there was not controversy about that, where it doesn't really take it seriously. Um, and it's just used as a tool for this crazy family to be embarrassed about just one more thing for them to be embarrassed about. And I mean, to be fair, they are embarrassed and they realize, oh, this is super inappropriate and we don't want our child doing this. Right. Um, but it's certainly not given this, the serious consideration that this movie gives it. So, uh, but you know, Abigail Breslin at that age, may be uh, the equivalent of what people are concerned about with the child actors in this movie. I just got to say the day that like the QAnon people come for Little Miss Sunshine is the day I just, oh, I just hide in a cave. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they missed their opportunity. You know, it's, so. it's years later and Abigail Breslin has grown up into an adult actor who seems, seems okay. As she, far as I can tell. She seems very well adjusted, I think. Yeah. So, all right. I will do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here on cuties. We talked about kids, the Florida project. 13, Electric Children, Girlhood, 8th Grade, Les Miserables, Mean Girls, The 400 Blows, Reality Shows in General, and Little Miss Sunshine. So, Josh, any uh, anything we didn't really get to around this, either about the movie or about the overall, uh, you know, everything going on around it, which is just so ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about more about all of that, but I feel like that's, you know, as you said, that's not really what this this show is about. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I liked this movie. I feel like it, it's not worth the controversy, but it's also, to, to me, maybe not worth the the sort of, like, high praise either. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a solid coming-of-age movie, and I think it it handles the subject matter delicately enough, but there are times that, it to me, it did feel like a little... Uh, empty in its or, or heavy handed in its uh, look at this important issue kind of uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it's also something it's this, it's, it's this filmmaker, is it uh, Ducure, Mamuna Ducure? I'm probably mispronouncing her name. Sounds um, right. So <laughs> sure to you. Um, 
but it's it's her first feature and i think it's the kind of thing where it's you know it is it's very earnest and it's obviously very personal and i think you get that a lot in these first features where that someone pours everything they have into this movie because you you always don't know whether you're going to get a chance to make another one um but I think there's a lot of promise here, and I'd be curious to see what she does next. And much, much like Celine Shiama, who started with this kind of material and and went on to something like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, that that it reaches these these higher levels. I think she could do the same. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say I hope people watch it, but I hope people watch it with the right intentions. Sure. I hope those out, honestly, those outraged people who are being criticized for not watching it. I don't think they need to watch it because it won't make a difference to them. So yeah, they've made up their minds. Right. <laughs> but people who are interested in French cinema, who have, you know, somewhat adventurous film taste, I think absolutely people should watch this. And this is one of those movies that Netflix picks up from festivals and we don't hear about a lot, but they do this pretty regularly, these adventurous foreign films, and they pick them up and they put them on their, uh, their service. I mean, I think Atlantics from, uh, last year was also picked up as a Netflix original mm. and, uh, which is, I believe is from Senegal, which is where the, the immigrant, the characters in this movie are from. Right. Um, so good for Netflix for, for promoting this kind of movie. Yeah, for sure. I uh, got to give credit where credit's due there, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think I, I might've liked it even a little more than you did. I, I, think that it is a great debut as far as this filmmaker is concerned and i think it's just very uh you know very confident in in the way that she decided to tell this story and i i think that that's you know that's a great thing and i and i look forward to seeing whatever she does next but uh yeah hopefully if people if people are prejudging the movie and then they do decide to check it out i which I actually do hope they do, um, but I hope that they at least try to go in with an open mind, but I don't know if that's possible anymore in this culture, <laughs> but that's, you know, that, that is where we're at, though. Everything's just so damn politicized, but you know what? I think we had a, uh, a good conversation about it, though. I think we, we were able to, we were able to hit all the, the, the controversial points and stick to the script here, Josh. I think we did a good job. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, cause there's a lot of cinematic, uh, influence in this movie. There's a lot of interesting filmmaking going on. And so, uh, hopefully we got to some of that. I think so. So, uh, is there something else you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, sticking with political controversy, uh -oh. I'm going to recommend, uh, the recent documentary, uh, Feels Good Man, mm. which is, uh, out, out on VOD that is about, uh, Pepe the Frog, the, cartoon character who was created by this sweet sort of naive stonery uh, cartoonist named Matt Fury. And through a various extremely convoluted set of circumstances uh, became the symbol for hate speech online. Um, and so this movie, I mean, like I said, is an extremely convoluted set of circumstances. And the documentary does a good job of laying out that history for people who are baffled by it and sure. i think i went i went in knowing a little about how that all ended up um but i think whether you know nothing about it or whether you know something about it uh the movie explains it all it, it brings in a lot of genuine experts about internet culture and about uh right-wing groups and things like that but it's also the story of this poor guy who created this funny frog and had his life ruined <laughs> by what it became and so it's about that kind of struggle between good intentions and and bad uh, and bad people and the way that and his good intentions 
really screwing him over because in the early days of it, he's like, I'm just an artist and I want everyone to create art. And so he doesn't crack down on people doing things with his character. And then mm. it just balloons from there and his efforts to, uh, to, to sort of take it back and turn it into a positive symbol and how those backfire. So it's super depressing in a lot of ways, but I think it's, sure. it's fast. It's fascinating. And it's a well-made film. It's not just a bunch of political talking heads. It's a good movie. Yeah, I'm actually planning on watching it this week. I am very much looking forward to it. It sounds uh, a little ridiculous and a little great. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's one of the better documentaries, I think, that have come out this year. So uh, why don't you tell people about Awesome Movie Year and everything else you're up to? Yeah, Awesome Movie Year, the podcast that I co-host with comedian Jason Harris. We take a look back at a different year in film in each season, and we've, uh, in this season, been talking about 1977, which is our furthest look back into film history thus far, and that was something I was pretty psyched about doing. We've uh, talked about a whole range of movies and a lot of comedy, as we noted uh, sure. in this season. We uh, talked about Mel Brooks. We talked about the, the Zazz team. Uh, we've got Woody Allen in there, so... Uh, a lot of cool stuff, uh, as well as things like Star Wars, and we talked about Werner Herzog, and a whole range, really a lot of uh, great movies that were uh, out in 1977. So, awesomemovieyear.com, uh, uh, pod on Twitter, I remember this, <laughs> That's and, <laughs> and, uh, and Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, uh, and also, of course, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to uh, Piecing It Together. I hope people check it out. Awesome. Well, Josh, it's great getting you back on the show and I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, we'll do it again. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. Got Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesomemovieyear.com. So please like us, subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating because we love you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about cuties. Uh, if you want to send us death threats, send it to me. Don't, don't bother Josh. He, he's a good guy. He doesn't need it, <laughs> but, uh, no, really. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And, uh, if you're not yet subscribed to piecing it together, please make sure to subscribe wherever it is. You listen to podcasts. We're on all of the major podcast apps and you can of course go to piecingpod.com our website to get signed up and links to everywhere it's available there and you can follow us on social media at piecingpod join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces don't forget to check out awesome movie year as well and also we've got a patreon patreon.com slash by david rosen it's the produced by david rosen patreon and on there you'll find a whole bunch of bonus and exclusive and advanced stuff about my music as well as all the podcasts i work on including this one awesome movie year all rice no beans Maybe we'll get something from Bird Road on there one of these days, too. We haven't done that yet, but we'll have to we'll have to record something Bird Road related and throw it up there. But uh, yeah, we, we appreciate your support and uh, lots more lots more bonus content coming real soon. So 
I have a new album coming out on October 4th. It's called David Rosen. It's just self-titled. And the first music video from that album just came out. It's called Multiply, and you can find that over on the website by davidrosen.com or... I, I'll link to it everywhere. You'll you'll be able to find it pretty much anywhere. So check out Multiply. It's a really cool video. I'm really proud of it, and I'm really proud of this album. And uh, it is, as of today, available for pre-order. There's going to be a limited edition CD, and it'll, of course, be available on all the digital music services. So wherever... You know, wherever you listen to music, you can go and uh, pre-buy or or just pre-save even on your Spotify's and all that stuff. You know, you don't have to pay for it, although I certainly do appreciate it if you do. But uh, yeah, it's going to be everywhere on October 4th, and I'm going to play you another track from that album today. I have not played this one yet on the show. This track is called Pocket Watch. And I just think this is a really cool track. It is very upbeat, one of the more upbeat tracks that really on the album, but really in general of all of my albums. And so I hope you uh, are, are ready for a really cool, fun piece of music. A lot of cool stutter effects in this one, which I, I don't know, they were fun putting together. So enjoy this track. Again, it's called Pocket Watch. It is on the new album, David Rosen. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together next week.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.